safety is sexy and mm-hmm. consent is sexy. <laughs> you know, we're, we're living in a post me too world. And even if we're dealing with, you know, alpha a-holes, you know, knowing that there is some understanding of mutual bodily respect is super sexy to me and really plays into that sense of believability. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy and it's silly and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, (laughs) see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, with me today, I have LB Alexander. Hello. LB, hello. <laughs> LB is an American or- author based in perpetually sunny Southern California, where my books are set. Um, she spent her entire life enraptured by the sheer transformative power of the written word. In December 2018, she published her very first romance novel, Swan Lake, uh, a contemporary reimagining of the beloved ballet. In addition to writing, she is a professional marketeer. I'm waving at you. Um, <laughs> a baker, an animal lover, a tree hugger, a perpetual wanderluster, waving at you again, and a massive art history nerd. She's an optimist at heart, aficionado of luxury, and true believer in happily ever afters. And she tells memorable, passionate stories that intrigue, challenge, arouse, and most importantly, inspire. LB, I am so happy you're here. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I'm super excited to have you here and talk to you about your writing, your books, your life, you know, your and, and your super, super steamy scenes. Because let me tell you, she writes some super, super steamy scenes. <laughs> uh, so I guess we can start with like the big question, like when did, at what point did you say, you know what? I think I want to, I think I want to be a writer. Oh gosh. So this is a funny question to answer because basically if if I were a character in my own novel or movie, the story of my life, I would be the person that the audience is screaming at for being just daft and oblivious. Um, Because (laughs) looking back, I think I knew in my heart that I always wanted to be a writer, uh, but it took a very long time for my brain to catch up. Um, yeah, I've been writing stories literally forever. Like as soon as I could write my name, I was crafting stories, but it probably wasn't until fairly recently that I realized I actually wanted to share these stories with other people. Um, what, well, what, what changed for you there? Like what, what was that sort of triggering moment where you were like, oh wait, I think I actually want to share these stories. I want to write (laughs) deeper stories, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. So I I studied English and neuroscience in college, um, and my senior year, I was writing my English thesis on feminine sexuality and literature, and I had this idea, this plot bunny, about a ballerina falling in love with a sexual sadist and entering the world of BDSM. And I started writing a few thousand words here and there, um, mainly to avoid thesis research. Uh, <laughs> as but, one does, yeah. <laughs> but um, shortly after graduation, I realized the story that I'd been writing for three months uh, had turned into a 100,000-word novel. Um, wow. So that was kind of the turning point for me where I realized that there's something else I can do for this besides just store it on my MacBook. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. So, so I mean, were you, have you always written, even in your sort of like, you know, I don't know, I guess, what, what, what could you call it, casual writing? Have you always been drawn to romance? Like, what drew you to the romance genre in the first place? Oh, gosh, it was probably discovering my first Harlequin novels around age 12 on the bookshelves of the, the family I used to babysit for. And I was addicted to all things romance from then on out. Really cool. <laughs> I, I could not get enough. Um, if it had a guaranteed happily ever after, I was automatically in. Um, and of course, I, I went to uh, an all girls uh, prep school. So anything with kissing scenes was obviously very intriguing. But um, but uh, yeah, I'd probably say around 12, 13, I just I became obsessed with romance. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a happy place to be. I like it. Do you happen to remember the first romance book that you read? I'm always very curious if people remember what they what it was. So I don't think I remember the first Harlequin one. I know it was about a man and a woman they were in australia they were going on a second honeymoon they were um trying to have a baby again it was just lavish and, and amazing i can't remember the name of it i wish i did um but i'd say the first probably popular mainstream one i read was uh um hopefully this counts it was actually twilight um, oh yeah i think that yeah, counts probably around uh eighth grade ninth grade or so okay and uh yeah i uh I, I was definitely the target market for that, and I, <laughs> I enjoyed the movies. Um, you know, went up to Forks with my family a couple of years later. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say Twilight was was the first one for me. Oh, that's really kind of cool. It's so yeah. funny um, to sort of see how inspired that that book series, how much that inspired people, or mm -hmm. you know, especially women or young younger girls, teen girls, to you know, pick up a pen or keyboard, as the case may be, and start writing. I think that yeah. that is so cool. And I think that that really speaks to um, what she was able to accomplish with that series. You know, sort of, it, it's sort of, it, it's moved beyond, kind of kind of moved beyond her. It's kind of transcended what it, what it started out to be, which is pretty cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was read by everybody at my school. Twilight was the thing, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm curious, okay, so where do you find inspiration, in particular with Swan Lake? Now, this is your first book. You released it in 2018, but now you're mm -hmm. re-releasing it. Um, so is there a second one coming up? Is there a follow-up coming out? Is there... Oh, yes. So um, I am releasing the, the sort of soft sequel to Swan Lake uh, set in the same universe uh, later this year in December. It is called okay. Swan Peak, and it is a much higher heat novella. Okay. And the second full length full length novel will be released uh, next spring, twenty twenty one. Okay. Okay. So, so I, I've envisioned um, basically the the Swan series quartet, so four full length novels with uh, two shorter novellas that sort oh, of wow. serve as uh, bridges between uh, the full length books. That's super cool. Yeah, and uh, cool. as for inspiration. Um, you know, fine art is definitely a really big inspiration for me for, for all things, and especially for a novel like Swan Lake, uh, which is so heavily informed by classical arts. Um, you know, whether it's Rodin's gorgeous sculpture, The Embrace, or A Nocturne by Chopin, I love translating that emotional response you have to a beautiful piece um, of music or art uh, into writing. So that, that's where we have Swan Lake. 
Oh, that's really, uh, that's really cool. I love that where writers find their inspiration because it's always so varied and unusual, you know, and so to, to sort of like dig into fine art pieces and find it, I think is really super cool. Um, so, so to kind of like jump into, I mean, this is a podcast all about writing those steamy scenes. Mm -hmm. So let's just kind of like dive right into it. Like, why not? Um, Let's go. I'm strapped and ready. Let's go. (laughs) To you, what do you think makes a sex scene good? That is a great question. So I would, can I answer this in sort of four pieces? Please do. Yeah. Okay. I would say the the first thing that makes a sex scene good is believability. Um, And even if it's like fantasy or paranormal, you know, that's where great world building comes in. Um, But the fact is uh, it needs to actually make sense that these two or three or four, however many characters are coming together. Okay. I I walked right into that pun. I just realized (laughs) It went right over my head, too. I was like, oh, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to temper myself. Um, are, are coming Ooh. together. <laughs> Getting hot in here. In, in this, you know, fleshly way for whatever purpose, you know, whether it's true love or a sense of mortality or even just mm. extreme lust for the moment, um, the sex scene needs to make sense and have some kind of narrative purpose. Um, and I'd say a note for contemporary romances in particular, uh, safety is sexy and mm-hmm. consent is sexy. <laughs> you know, we're, we're living in a post me too world. And even if we're dealing with, you know, alpha a-holes, you know, knowing that there is some understanding of mutual bodily respect is super sexy to me and really plays into that sense of believability. Um, to, to jump in real quick, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just sort of want to throw this out there. Do you find particularly writing in with alpha alpha assholes yeah that's a tongue twister um it the the like you have to be so conscious of consent you know like i'm kind of like i know i'm rewriting a number of romances that i wrote wrote a few years ago Mm -hmm. and it's like the dynamic of the world has completely changed and i really am looking at them with with fresh eyes and saying you know what no that wasn't that that wasn't right and I like you have to be hyper conscious and aware um because it's easy to slide into not non-consent but just kind of questionable yeah and and you know even to say I know that there's a there's a spot in erotica where you know things like that may still work um but I you know for your mainstream for your contemporary um, I, I definitely try to be very careful, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. making sure there is understood, clear consent between characters, um, informed cons- consent, especially for something as, um, you know, extreme as BDSM themes or things like that. So, right, um, right, because you're you're because Swan Lake is a bit on the it's, a, it's on the dark, dark side. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a heroine who is pretty pretty damaged and you're and you're sli- sliding in with these BDSM themes so I know that that's got to be a tricky area to sort of maneuver consent around and you have to be kind of very careful I think with you know with the, with your character who has probably a lot of trigger points here right definitely uh, I, I will say I crafted Swan Lake with as much love as mm-hmm. very 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 deliberate precision because right. I, I knew it would be very easy for 
my heroine to look like she has been nothing but victimized for a hundred thousand words and that's not, that's uh, not the, the story that I wanted to tell <laughs> exactly yeah yeah okay I'm sorry so go ahead so okay so believability <laughs> yes, believability be- believability is number one um number two I would say uh detail um mm. I love just as a reader I love when authors strike that perfect balance between getting the reader hot and bothered and invested and also leaving some room, you know, however small uh, for imagination to take over. And, you know, this can be exclusively in build up with implied or off page consummation, or it could be a down and dirty play by play with every four letter word you can imagine. Um, You know, I, I think having the right detail for that's appropriate for the story is really important for a great steamy scene. Um, And then I'd also say frequency (laughs) is, is very important. Uh, Like having actual steam in real life um, often is good. Um, It's very good in fact, but um, too much of anything you become desensitized and there comes a time when, all of us have to take a shower, get some water, have some assistance. <laughs> um, and I, I look at steamy scenes in novels the same way. You know, like I, I read many very sexy books where I'm definitely into everything going on for the first two chapters, but then another 40 pages go by and I find myself thinking, one of these people is going to get a UTI. That's not sexy. So, <laughs> um, so being, being careful about frequency, um, and then finally, uh, passion, mm. you know, some kind of connection between the characters, the intensity, however, emotional or f- purely fleshly, uh, truly makes a difference in how enjoyable a steamy scene is. Um, as a reader, I want to feel like the characters want to be there, um, even if it's in a sort of love-hate type of relationship. Um, I, I want to feel the passion. So, right, right. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, believability, detail, frequency, and uh, and passion are the the four ingredients for making a great steamy scene. <laughs> so what was it like to write your very first sex scene? Oh, my. Um, strangely enough, it was so much easier than I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> like what I, was your expectation then? <laughs> well, I... I I was very nervous at first, um, so I, I kind of set the scene for myself, uh, I, I suppose. I, I lit some candles, I was very relaxed, I think I even had a glass of wine, um, and I, I approached it with a little bit of trepidation, but, you know, mainly a lot of excitement for, you know, these two characters, uh, April and William from Swan Lake, to finally consummate their lust for each other. Right. Um, so <laughs> this is a completely... a unintentional image but basically it was awkward at first uh but pretty soon I got the hang of it and and, uh yeah it was it was a very enjoyable experience overall so I think I think what people some people don't understand I because I didn't start writing romance I started writing urban fantasy with some Mm -hmm. romantic elements and um it's the the sex scene you know has always been Oh, it's a little bit, it's been a little bit difficult for me to get that. Like I can write a fight scene. I can write a fight scene. I can write a fight scene quickly. 
Mm. Um, and they are among my favorite scenes to write. And, um, you know, I can sort of do a fight, like a 700 word fight scene in probably 20, 30 minutes. Like it's such a fast, I can really like, you know, the only thing that slows me down is sometimes I actually have to get up and move and try and can I actually, can you actually move your body that way yeah. to do that roundhouse that way? You know, but for a sex scene, it takes me, I mean, you know, an intimate scene. I was writing one yesterday and it took me four hours to write a thousand words. Oh, wow. It, t I am so slow. That's why I'm right. That's actually why I decided to do this podcast. Cause I want to dig into like other people's methods, how they do it. You know, like, what are you guys doing? Cause, <laughs> cause I'm slow. You know? Wait, so, so if you're getting up and uh, pantomiming the, um, the fight scenes, do you do the same thing for a sex scene? Um, not really. Cause that feels really kind of awkward in the middle of my day in my office. You know, like that's a little like weird and uncomfortable, but yeah, there will be certain like <laughs> yeah. moments where I stop. And in particular, since, you know, working through the fight scenes, like it's choreography, right? Mm. So, so, you know, in my head, I'm sort of like, or even physically I'm moving through the choreography. Um, so in a way, when I started writing, um, the sex scenes, I was, I was in the same mode of choreography and I still think I do that to a certain degree. Like mm -hmm. your hand is moving here, your thigh is moving there. You know, this is, this, this hand is moving up the back, you know, like those sort of choreographed moments. But then instead, but then it's, but then there's the emotional part of things that you have to sort of weave into the these moments because it's more than just choreography um in particular for the sex scenes i mean i think for the fight scenes as well but the fight scenes are definitely more action-based like there's more like kapow 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 whereas this <laughs> needs to fill you know you, you the, the kapow needs to happen in the heart sure. rather than like physically if definitely. that makes sense oh yeah for sure I just, uh, I, I remember when I first started letting uh, my boyfriend read pages of Swan Lake, you know, he'd get to a sex scene and then his first response would be, oh, so are we going to try this out now? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, for, for research purposes, you know, at, at which point I would say absolutely not, but, uh, or, or maybe, depending on my mood. <laughs> but thanks for asking. Exactly. <laughs> I know my, I know some people have said to me, it's slightly inappropriate. Wow. You and your husband must have a really good time when you're writing your books and I'm like actually <laughs> actually you know I like not really like <laughs> you know like yeah. it's really not all that exciting especially when you're spending all day having sex with care you know having your characters <laughs> having sex like you're kind of tired by the end of the day <laughs> <You're> sure <laughs> and you're like yeah I'm not sure about this right now I think I just like want to go to bed like and sleep yeah <laughs> So do you have, do you have sort of a process that you work through? Um, you know, like obviously with my fight scenes, I, I get up, um, and move around a little bit, but, but for your process for writing, you said you lit candles, you had a glass of wine. Like, is that like now an everyday occurrence or was that just to get you through the first, you like that sort of first burst, the first creative burst? That was definitely to get me through the very first steamy scene, um, but I'd say for, you know, writing all the others that followed and really just writing in general. Um, if I'm writing a steamy scene, I definitely, I have to be in the mood for it. Right. And, and I'm a firm believer in, you know, it's so much better to write something, something on the page um, than to stare, stare, stare for hours mm -hmm. and hours and hours and end up with three words. Um, so I, I need to 
be in a writing mood and I know I, I can't force it. Um, as for writing steamy scenes, I don't necessarily need to be like two seconds away from jumping my boyfriend's bones, but I, I definitely need to feel uh, relaxed. And um, I also have to be alone when I'm writing anything um, yeah. because I, and I, I know this about myself, it's maybe it's a, a positive, maybe it's a character flaw, but I am overly social <laughs> and <laughs> if there are people around me I have to talk to them <laughs> even if it's strangers um which which means like no writing will be getting done so if I'm if I know I want to write I have to be by myself um so you can't go to a coffee shop well nobody can go oh, to a no. coffee shop right now but you can't go to a coffee <laughs> shop and like sit down and just like pull out your laptop and start like just to have like a change of scenery from your from your office I can't no I just I I love talking to people so much <laughs> and, and I get this from my dad. He's the exact same way um, to an even more extreme, but, um, but yeah, I, I have to be alone by myself when I'm writing. Um, and I, I don't focus too much on trying to make it perfect the first go around. You know, we, we have editing for that. Um, right. Really. I just try to write as much as I can while I'm feeling inspired to write and, uh, right. and yeah, just, uh, see what happens <laughs> cool well i want to kind of dive into some moments uh some moments in swan lake i have i asked you to pull out your favorite um steam scene from the book and um whew, it is definitely steamy um so can you but can you set up this the story for us so that you know so that listeners know um what's going on sure so um Swan Lake um, is an upmarket dark romance uh, with a high heat level. Um, it's a reimagining of the ballet, uh, firmly contemporary, about a deeply troubled former dancer who finds herself enraptured by her mysterious new employer, who turns out to be a sexual sadist. And uh, the steamy scene that I picked, uh, it takes place in the beginning of the the resolution phase of the novel, I guess. Um, the characters have already come together on their respective journeys, have been ripped apart, and are now sort of finding their way back to each other emotionally. Mm -hmm. uh, a few chapters prior, the characters consummated their attraction, first time sex for the heroine, but then the hero betrayed the heroine in an attempt to protect her, uh, which she, you know, learns later on. And, uh, now he's realizing he can't stay away from her or keep his hands off of her. So <laughs> he uh, follows her to her sister's bachelorette party, uh, which happens to take place at a hotel he owns. And uh, at this point in the novel is really where they begin to connect on the most honest level. Uh, yeah. Particularly with uh, William, the hero, uh, explaining his sense of sexuality. And I, I loved writing this. Uh, it's one of my favorites because it's... It's intentionally cathartic and passionate, and it's definitely the peak of emotional intimacy uh, between mm -hmm. the hero and the heroine. And yeah. uh, it's it's also the first time that uh, the heroine sees the hero completely naked, um, and she gets to have this unapologetically female gaze reaction to his naked body, which was so much fun to write. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I, to, to dig a little deeper, it's Alice is the, the main character. Uh, April. Yeah. April, April, sorry, April. Um, you know, she's dealing with, but pre-William, she's sort of dealing with a lot of, um, <clears throat> of issues that with, with, around trauma and mental illness. And 
you know, and, and so I think that, which we had alluded to before mm -hmm. earlier, and I was wondering if we could dig a little bit deeper into that. What is her, what is her background? So April is uh, a former ballerina uh, who also suffers from mental illness, uh, specifically uh, panic attacks, and she's recovering from an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I really wanted to write a heroine who, who had some kind of personal struggle like that, um, because I think there are many of us can relate to not feeling like our body is good and good enough or having mm. panic attacks or even just feeling general anxiety. Um, I also wanted to write a, a heroine like this, um, exploring her sexuality um, in, a, in a really uninhibited way. Yeah. And I was really curious about um, the idea of two characters sort of being perfect antitheses to each other um, in, in terms of power games. Um, one thing that has frustrated me um, in a lot of novels, not just romance, is I feel like BDSM is often portrayed as a pathology, as something that needs to be cured, as something that only arises as a result of trauma. And in the research that I did for this book in particular, I found that people who participate in BDSM um, very often have a very evolved sense of self uh, yeah. and sense of their own sexuality yeah. and are extremely careful um, about how they choose to participate, you know, in this and um, accept themselves for something that is, you know, perfectly natural, something that could even exist on a spectrum. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I, I wanted to see what that could look like on the page. <laughs> I think, I think that's truly, um, you know, extraordinary. And I do agree that BDSM is often portrayed sort of incorrectly. I mean, these are, you know, people that do participate in it have agencies of, agency over their own bodies or completely, you know, it's, it's where they want to be and it has to do, it has nothing to do with necessarily to do with trauma or past experiences. Exactly. You know, I don't want to speak for everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I just want to read this moment that just, I was just like, <gasps> like, <laughs> it was just, like when I was reading through this, I was like, oh my God. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> I'm getting ready here. My acting training coming through. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> William's gaze slowly lowered, categorizing every inch of my vulnerability before pausing on my obscenely exposed sex, every swollen fold and wet crevice right in front of his eyes. I could feel my face redden, but I was too spellbound, physically and mentally, to offer much protest as he continued to look at me. His mouth slightly parted and his breathing increased, and the longer he stared at me, he seemed to be eclipsed with almost a reverence, as if he were admiring a work of art. And surprisingly, I felt vivified by his admiration. I was as terrified and embarrassed as I was confident and proud. I wanted him to look at me and enjoy what he observed. I was filled with an overwhelming desire to appear pleasing to him. This moment, I felt like she was coming out of something here like like I mean I hate to use this like she was blossoming I mean because that is yeah. so tired but like truthfully like like he was coaxing her into her true self can we can we talk about this for a second like this, this moment like what's going on for April here what what's happening I, I loved this moment <laughs> so um basically what what we're finding in this moment um you know after the sex that the characters have already had um earlier in the novel is April truly acknowledging the fact that she genuinely um, finds pleasure in being in a submissive position. 
um, which I, I feel like is, um, like we were talking about earlier, uh, very often uh, portrayed inaccurately. Um, you know, the one thing I really wanted to be careful about is I did not want to write a heroine who was only submissive because the hero wanted her to be. You know, right. I, I wanted to make sure it was explicitly clear that this is something she could naturally enjoy on her own with or without William. But, you know, she happens to enjoy it more with him. <laughs> so uh, that that's really what's happening here is okay. uh, is a realization of her own sexuality and uh, an acceptance of it, too. And it was absolutely beautiful, beautiful moment that um, that Thank I was you. like, I was just like, goosebumps. This is gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so. Um, the other part that struck me was like was at this moment where she says, uh, or she she says it's in the she says, well we're in her head. So um, I greedily drank in the sight of him, divine and virile and dangerous. He looked savage in his nakedness, and I wanted him to attack and devour me. And again, you saying <laughs> that this is the first time that she's actually seen him naked. Mm-hmm. And to, for her to have this reaction, and I know in the book you had, in, in the description to the book you had mentioned that she was dealing with some level of violence in her past as well, mm-hmm. and and I thought the the words that you used to attack and devour, you know, I thought were very powerful. A very a powerful exp- had to be a very powerful experience to her, having been through you know certain things, certain traumas in her life to sort of look at him and sort of have that feeling and empowerment absolutely uh for me it was it was sort of my my gift to the character uh so to speak uh you know the idea that she could experience trauma from somebody else um and then basically convert that into something positive uh with with a new consensual partner um but was really the intent i was going for here the uh the other thing um is there's a there's a certain level of of symmetry between when april saw william for the first time earlier in the novel and when she's seeing him completely naked now um you know i i relied very heavily on um you know fine art classical literature um to kind of create the world of april's head basically um and you know when she sees william for the first time early on in the novel you know she she compares him to, um, you know, hopefully this doesn't come across as too blasphemous, but uh, she compares him to Satan, basically, um, uh, specifically conjuring um, uh, John Milton's description from Paradise Lost, uh, in, in bulk as huge as whom the fable's name of monstrous size, Titanian, or Earthborn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paradise Lost is one of my favorite, favorite pieces of epic poetry. Whereas here, um, when she's looking at William's naked body, he's, you know, still you know, giving her that, that sense of danger and terror, but there's that kind of artful reverence as well. That's a lot closer right. to how Eve was looking at Adam, you know, later in, <laughs> in Paradise Lost. So you sort of get that, that godly and that kind of uh, demonic element, you know, together in one person with, you know, this overarching idea of being, you know, William is a, a person of two faces, sort of, you know, the way that April is as well. She's the white swan and she's the dark swan. You know, William is the prince and he's the hero. So super wild how many layers <laughs> upon layers upon layers are in this it's really kind of uh, you know awe-inspiring frankly as a writer like I'm just like how the hell do you do that <laughs> like, like you know I mean like that's really you know that's that's really digging very very deep and that's that's pretty extraordinary thank you um okay so this got me again like this moment um 
I love your writing. Okay, you're like, let's read another little bit here. <laughs> like everything about him, it was titanic and aggressive. We're talking about his penis, by the way. Um, <laughs> Great topic. Like, we're talking about his penis. Hold on. Sorry, I need to backtrack that. I should have probably highlighted the sentence before. Um, like everything about him, it was titanic and aggressive, angrily jutting forward from a trim angle of dark curls as if to slay me. It was vascular like the rest of his body, athletic and formidable. And I felt myself dampening again just from the anticipation of his entrance. Once again, <laughs> you know, here is that moment, right, of that the prince of the dark divine. Like that was truly something like amazing that was coming out, like this sort of like painting a very vivid and, and extraordinary picture and a beautiful picture too. Cause even though this does have that, the sort of like those dark elements, um, you know, this isn't, this isn't a comedy, um, you know, it, it still has this, this, I mean, I, I don't know, aggressive beauty to it, I suppose, to use the, the word, overuse the word aggressive. Perhaps. I love that actually aggressive beauty. I, I like that. I'm going to use oh. that. Oh, <laughs> Jot that down. <laughs> I will. The rom romance writers slash marketers having a conversation. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's good. It's it good. I like it so much. It's completely on brand. And <laughs> thank, thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, okay, so final moment, final moment that I was just like, Oof. okay. We are at the end of their coupling. And uh, okay, I'm just going to read. Come now, William shouted, and I immediately screamed as my body exploded, and hurling hot winds blew my insides to ashes. William roared above me as his body began to shudder, and with an expression of torment, his pressure was released. My sex was contracting fat, sorry, contracting <laughs> around him faster than I could measure, but I couldn't take my eyes away from the powerful sight of William, naked and sweating, coming apart in front of me. I was witnessing the birth of a god, fully formed and formidable in his formation. Hello! <laughs> oh my god! That was extraordinary! I was I was like, wow. And that's that's like my note to this was wow. That's all I can say. So how do you how do you get there in terms of writing? It is so powerful, but not terribly graphic, right? Like that mm -hmm. is the thing that sort of really grabbed me here. There there wasn't anything terribly graphic going on. But it spoke so much to the moment, and it brought me right inside of it. Um, you know, how do you get to this point in terms of your writing? Oh my gosh, um, that's a hard question. I'm sorry. It, it, it's, it's a really <laughs> it's almost a, an impossible question, but I'm asking it. <laughs> it's, it's a great question, though. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say for my writing, um, especially for a scene like this. Uh, I really try to start uh, with the feeling, you know, okay. what feeling am I trying to convey here? And, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but I wanted to convey an absolutely explosive orgasm between these two. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I, I basically just uh, began crafting, you know, layer by layer, um, you know, with language that, you know, I feel uh, sort of matches the, this feeling that I have inside, this feeling that I'm trying to express. Um, what, I, what I liked about uh, this scene in particular is it, it echoes back to uh, an, an earlier more moment when uh, April experiences her first orgasm. 
And, you know, one thing you'll be super familiar with is we, we always hear about orgasms as being, you know, the little death, you know, la mm. more. That's, you know, typically the, the euphemism that we hear in classical poetry. Um, whereas April thinks of it more as a, a little birth instead, like it feels like coming alive. Uh, so when we look back at, you know, other pieces of classical literature, you know, where we think about, you know, Greek gods and heroes, uh, you know, being born alive, basically born, you know, in fully adult forms. Mm. Um, I thought, why not add an orgasm to that? <laughs> if we're, if we're already thinking of, um, an orgasm as being this, this act of, you know, going from, you know, one mortal plane to a supernatural one, um, you know, let's make it as sensational as possible. So, um, probably overly ambitious on my part, but. No, um, actually, I think that that's, um, a really extraordinary uh, point and, and sort of looking at it as going from the realm of uh, of of, of re like regular life of real life mm -hmm. and then the, the the orgasm bringing you to supernatural like in, in my head too as an urban fantasy writer mm -hmm. as well as romance that actually works extraordinarily well for me in terms of being able to imagine something oh great so thanks for that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, those were like the sort of moments that I absolutely, um, absolutely loved uh, your writing that conveyed such an extraordinary, um, really extraordinary feelings between the two of them. Um, now, now, a quick question for you, because I haven't read the, the book all the way, because I have had so much with getting this podcast off the ground, and I'm doing a lot of interviews at once, which I'm like, I don't think I should ever schedule those like that again. Um, I was, you're, you're incredible. I'm, I'm in awe, seriously, that you're able to do this and write. It's amazing. Well, I'm kind of gainfully unemployed at the moment, so it definitely oh, perfect. helps. Perfect. Fun employed. It's fun employed. Yeah, fun employed. Um, what We have a happily ever after for these two, correct? We do, yes. Okay, okay, because I, I was just kind of curious because you are sort of walking a darker path with um, with your books. What, do they? But they still have that sort of conveyance, the, the regular sort of you know happily ever after because you know as a romance that's what our readers expect. Absolutely, I, I'd say yeah. more so for for this novel, it's more of a happily for now. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, I I'm drawn to romance because of guaranteed happily ever after so that right. that is ultimately where these two characters are headed right, right so um i feel like we might have you might have already mentioned it but i do want to ask you particularly since you are sort of very well versed in the classics do you have um a, a, a what like do you have a favorite steamy moment out of out of literature that you can to or maybe one that actually influence you know maybe influences your writing more generally if not this story in particular yeah I I do and it's funny because there I, I read literally everything <laughs> and there are there are so many books that I love um so it's it, it's tough to pick a favorite because I, I love different ones for different reasons I promise this isn't a cop-out but I'd say for the purposes of this conversation and the uh, influences that I had on my steamy scenes, um, I'd probably say the moment that Catherine finally comes on to Laszlo in The English Patient, mm. uh, Michael Andache, uh, is absolutely one of my 
favorite steamy scenes, particularly since, you know, this character has been, you know, lusting after her for months, and finally she comes up to him, you know, fully realized, and I think the exact quote is, uh, I want you to ravish me. <laughs> that was just <laughs> so, like, it was so bold and yeah. you know yeah. she just captured him immediately and i did i loved the um the sense of feminine agency there you know uh yeah. the i want you to ravish me not just i want you to make love to me with hearts and flowers but i want this and i want it aggressively um i thought was very powerful and you know is uh, i need some cold water <laughs> um, i think that is hands down one of the uh steamiest scenes in in literature Okay. It, yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree yeah. with that. So <clears throat> I'll be dousing myself with cold water after reading all of that stuff, um, all of, your, <laughs> of that, those moments aloud from that scene, which was absolutely beautiful. Okay. So I just want to make sure we've got Swan Lake is re-releasing on September 15th yes. with a playlist of Swan songs, which I love because I'm a huge fan of playlists. Um, where, where do those live? Are they going to be on Spotify? Like, how do you do your playlists? So those are going to be on Spotify on September 15th. Yes. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, and then you're going to have a bonus chapter from Swan Peak, which is coming out in December. Correct. Um, and so we have a pre-order on Swan Lake. We do not have a pre-order yet for Swan Peak. Uh, not yet. That, uh, okay. That's coming in a, a couple of weeks. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Good to know. Um, so September 15th is when we can find them. Are you going to be Amazon exclusive? Are you going to be in KU or are you wide? Uh, Amazon exclusive, Kindle Unlimited. Okay. So KU available readers. for $2.99 or for free in Kindle Unlimited. So. Yeah, KU readers grab this. It is it's such a beautiful story. I can't wait to dig into the whole thing because your writing is just so, so evocative and vivid and beautiful. So thank you, um, thank you for sharing it with me. Um, where can everybody find you? Oh, so uh, I'm on social media. Um, you can find me on Instagram uh, at lbalexanderauthor, uh, Facebook, same at lb alexander author um and uh on my website uh lbalexander.com awesome well thank you so much for joining me and being i mean being the first i'm i'm excited i'm i'm so happy i got to to be the first to... <laughs> my first time yeah. i hope i was gentle yeah. <laughs> I don't feel I don't feel ripped apart. No. <laughs> or if I do, it's a good feeling. Um, no, this has been wonderful. And thank you so much. And thank you for sharing such beautiful uh, words with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been so much fun. I yeah, I, I've loved our conversation. This is wonderful. We should do it again sometime. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we will. Oh, we will. There's more scheme to discuss, I am sure. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. all. Bye. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.